Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is another Sportsman's Empire podcast host. His name is Andrew Muntz. He is the host of the O2 podcast. And like me, he comes from a big buck state. He is in Ohio. And man, I feel like we've got a lot in common as far as our mentality around hunting goes, as far as some of our experiences go. And in this episode, we are going to have an hour-long BS session all about gear, hunting stories, podcasting, you name it, we're going to dive into all of it. And I'm pretty excited for this one. Uh, Before we jump in, though, I want to make you guys aware of something. I just went and had my first meal on our new property. Now, it's not officially our property yet, unfortunately, but our closing date got bumped forward to the 28th of June. So by the time you guys are listening to this, we're going to be like a week away maybe like eight days away, something along those lines. And I, I'm just like in awe that I've got a property that I'm going to be able to throw cameras out on and cut trails and do habitat improvement and like a, a spot to actually call my own. I'm just super pumped about it. Anyways, I won't bore you guys too much with that, but I will be keeping you up to date on the habitat improvement details, food plots, the type of animals I'm getting on trail camera, you name it. Hopefully I can give you guys a play-by-play as it all happens. I can't wait. But for now, let's jump into the episode with Andrew. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys. So I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers, but that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now, Go Wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on Go Wild, they're actually encouraged and They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Andrew Munz. Now, he is with the O2 podcast on Sportsman's Empire, and I'm pretty pumped to be chatting with him. He's from a big buck state. Not a lot of people realize that Ohio, 
maybe I shouldn't say that. Are you guys gonna? Are you guys gonna it's come Buckeye after? State? It's a Buckeye State, so yeah, you can say that. Okay, cool. I, I sometimes I'm like, oh man, there's huge animals there, and people are like, dude, shut up, don't tell that to everybody. We don't want more hunting pressure. I think well, they're everywhere, right? You just gotta find them. Um, which they elude me a lot. So I can't say that I see all the big bucks, but I got plenty of buddies that, that pull them in every year. Yeah, I see. But, there's a there's a lot of deer that I see, like even on social media that pop up and it's like an Ohio booner. I mean, it seems like every other day I'm seeing it during the rut. Yeah. Ohio's unique, man. It's uh, it's very diverse. So like the state itself, we have Route 71 basically cuts right up north and south, cuts the state in half. The east side of the state, we got hills. I mean, you're on the foothills, the Appalachian Mountains. Um, we've got Wayne National Forest, big public land area. But that whole side of the state, it's it's more on the big wood side of things. Now you get more to the, the western side of the state, heavy ag, man. It's very heavy ag. Um, down by the Ohio River, you got some more hills. And then there's just little pockets of stuff throughout. But it's, it's unique. And I think the corn and the soybeans and all that ag, and you mix it in, you catch that right spot with some woods like we were just talking um where i live i've got 80 acres of row crop in the back but then a couple patches of woods and and these nice you know areas fingers of uh woods that these bucks can bed in and stuff and yeah man you see some see some good sized deer running around dude that's awesome i i definitely want to check it out i've only been is king's island is that like yes. a theme park there I went That's there the one letter. time. I stayed in Indianapolis for a summer with with my cousin, and we went to Kings Island. And I I was like, man, I'm pretty sure that's in Ohio. I think that's probably the only time I've ever been to Ohio. Yeah. So if you want the whole amusement park thing, it's Kings Island is toward toward Cincinnati down in Mason. Uh, I grew up up on the lake uh, by Cedar Point, which is the better of the two parks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we've got lots of of rides and uh, amusement stuff there. If you need that. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this. Next time I go to Ohio, it's going to be for a hunt and not for amuse. I'm not an amusement park guy. I just, I'm like long lines, tons of people, really expensive food that's not even that good most of the time. Count me out. But you actually just got back from Disneyland, right? Yeah. And so we were down in Disney for a week. Uh, we did a lot of that kind of stuff little bit different atmosphere right you go to cedar point to get the, the the highest tallest fastest roller coasters you can get disney it's different when you ride the slinky dog ride right that's their uh, big roller coaster and uh you wait 45 minutes and people complain i'm like dude when i was a kid we wait four hours to get on the raptor or whatever and that was probably stupid use of my time too but uh wow. those the rides are not the same so yes uh cedar point would be much more on the adult side of things so nice i <laughs> I think Kings Island was like the people of Walmart version of amusement parks, if I remember right. I mean, I saw I saw some very interesting things. I think I was like 17 or 18. And the first guy that I saw as I walked in had his shirt off, not a small guy by any means. And he had a giant naked angel tattooed on his back for everybody to see. And Stay I'm like, classy, San Diego. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, all right, this is this is the atmosphere around here. Um, but yeah, anyways, let's not talk about amusement parks. Let's talk about hunting. We're going to jump into a bunch of different stuff between hunting stories, gear. Uh, but before we do that, I want to hear, you had mentioned it's a pretty interesting story how you got started with podcasting, and I have not heard this yet. Okay, so, well, 
my wife says that I just stumble into dumb luck a lot of times. Actually, in, when we were down at Disney, there was that, like three or four times where I didn't get charged for things or they they screwed something up and then they like refunded me. She's like, how do you do this? Like, how do you just stumble <laughs> into something so stupid and and it, you just have the best luck ever? Now, I, I could probably debate that, but Sportsman's Empire, formerly Sportsman's Nation, uh, I was a uh, listener for a while and last, it would have been last uh, July or so, there was a group of guys who did the Ohio feed, the Huntsman, and they said they came out one day and I, I listened to it and try to get, keep up on my Ohio stuff. But they came out one day and said, hey, you know what? We're calling it quits, you know, just whatever. So me being me, you know, and I should preface this with my job is in sales. OK, and there's times you have to talk to a customer and ask for business or ask for a sale. They say, no, you got to like let that roll off your shoulders. So the idea of asking things has never really been a problem for me. Um, but I sent Dan Johnson a, a message on Instagram. Hey, Dan, what are you going to do about this void in Ohio? His response was, I don't know. Do you want to do it? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about podcasting. I don't know anything about audio or mixing or putting stuff together. Um, I'm really an average hunter. There's no doubt about that. Like I'm, I'm pretty good at killing does. Um, and that's about where it ends. And then, uh, so yeah, sure. I'll give it a try, Dan. And, uh, so I talked to Paul, who's our co-host. Probably Paul, you want to do this? And he's kind of in the same realm. So sales talk, Paul will talk to anybody, uh, any time of the day. So he's like, Oh hell yeah, man. And Paul is much more into waterfowl and turkeys, which is not what I've been into. Not that I don't have an interest or wouldn't want to do it. Just not, not how I've evolved into this. Yeah. So Dan Johnson says to us, he says, you know, send, uh, send me a few demos. Okay. And I'm going to tell you one of three things. One, this is awesome. We're going to get you started. Two, I'm going to give you some criticism and you're going to take it like a man and fix it. Or three, I'm going to tell you, don't ever talk to me again. Like, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I so, can see him saying all of that. Right. Right. Dan is uh he's all business, right? When, he, when it's time to go, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Uh, so we put these, some episodes together and we sent them over and he's like, honestly, it's not terrible. So we'll go ahead and get you a date set up. And the next thing you know, like Paul and I looked at each other, we said, Oh shoot, man. Like now we actually have to do this. Like, I, I guess I, it kind of was this idea, but it wasn't really, I don't know. So you didn't it was plan awesome. any farther than him saying yes. You were right. like, yeah, it's probably going to be a no, but who cares? And then when exactly. he said yes, you're like, Oh crap. We didn't think this through at all. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I'm trying to think what happened from there. It was just started lining up. Yes, man. And that was, uh, a learning experience. And, and, you know, asking questions and trying to keep the conversation going and rolling. And there's a lot to it. Uh, I think we're getting better, not good by any means, but we're getting better. Uh, and we've done, a, we've done a lot of things that we wouldn't have normally done. Okay. Um, one of the first things we did, we, we were working with, uh, we had Brad from Luttrell from go wild on the, on the show. And he said, are you guys coming down to ATA? Okay, sure. It's in Louisville. It's like three hour drive for us. You're sure. We'll come down. He's like, all right, you guys come down. You know, they were having a social event. So we talked our wives into going down to Louisville in the middle of January and to ATA. And then we walked around that show and met a whole bunch of people. And that was led to. You know, next thing you know, we're in Harrisburg uh, at the Great American Outdoor Show. Uh, just 
meeting and, and greeting and helping in the go wild booth. And those guys are great. And it's just, it keeps rolling. And we just got done doing a show and had Mark Kenyon and cuz Strickland on it. And it was like, wow, these guys are like big, big names in the industry. This is, this is cool. We've had, we've talked to Tony Peterson and all, I mean, there's been a bunch of them and it's you, we talked to Dan Matthews. So that was oh, big. Gosh, uh, don't throw that out there. Yes. So, uh, that's how the whole thing has kind of evolved and it's going well. So we're just trying to plug along and keep interesting content. Paul, I'll tell you what, Paul is, and I are, we're, we're a pretty good partner. Okay. Cause I'm one of these people that's like, I got to have my dates, right? We're going to do this one on this day. And this one on this day, one day Paul calls me and he says, Hey, I got this idea. Okay. I got this guy named Alan Carl. He was on American Idol. He's a country music singer. He lives, you know, 45 minutes up the road. I want to do a live show with him and we're going to do it at the Granville brewery, which is this little, little brewery down the road. I'm like, okay, Paul, that's cool. Like next month, when do you want to do this? He goes, no, I want to do it like Thursday. And then he goes like Tuesday night. I said, dude, you're going to put all this together in like 48 hours. Oh yeah. I've already called the brewery and they're good with it. And this, and I'm just like, <laughs> go man, you just do it. So he did. And, uh, he got, got everything put together and his brother came in and ran the audio board and all this stuff. And we didn't get kicked out. So that worked out, but anyway, that's, that's how we uh, got where we're at. That's awesome, man. Just, it doesn't hurt to ask, right? Everybody always tells me that it, it never hurts to ask, just do it. The worst they can say is no, which I don't believe. I think people can say a lot worse things to you than no, when you ask a question, but I mean, it's either going to be a yes or a no at the end of the day. There was a, a guy I used to work with, but he used to say, you know, I'm in sales and I'm married. I'm used to being told no. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, once you get through that, it's uh, it's not that big a deal. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So how did you get started hunting? I mean, did you grow up in a hunting family? I know oh. you said you're just kind of the average hunter, or I don't even know if you put yourself in that category. Do you count yourself as below average? Probably. Yes. No, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And actually we had some of this conversation the other day when we were talking to the guys about the, uh, get kids outside. One of the things I struggle with, with my kids is I don't feel, I don't have the confidence to take them out and try to show them stuff because I still don't know that I know enough. Uh, talking with some of those guys, the message basically was nobody knows everything and you just, you go out and learn together. But yeah. for me, I, I did not grow up in a hunting family. Uh, my parents uh, owned a restaurant outside of Cleveland and not, they didn't have anything against hunting, very conservative family, uh, very, you know, dad was an Eagle scout and all that kind of stuff, but it just wasn't his thing. And, and he got into the restaurant business and that consumed his life and mom ended up being a teacher uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, but going through high school and, and different things, I always had a passion for the outside. I, for being outside playing sports and um i love camping all that kind of stuff but i never had anybody show me how to do this stuff and getting out of high school and into college i spent a couple years down in athens ohio which is southeast right in the middle of wayne national forest i mean it's beautiful public land and just everything you could ever want between fishing and hunting and all that kind of stuff. But I really started like peak this interest and I want to get out and I want to hunt. I have a good friend um, from high school who his family is heavy 
into hunting. His uncle's a huge hunter. He's been everywhere. I think he's going caribou um, this fall, but he did moose a couple of years ago. Now he's on it all. So um, try to like kind of pick up from them. All right. So take me out, let, let, kind of the, the mentor type of thing. And uh, they have a cabin over in Pennsylvania. Here's a story. Uh, so I'm trying to think what year, probably about 2007. And I would have been about 23 or four at that point. Nope. Yep. Somewhere in there. Um, but they have a cabin over in Pennsylvania. They said, okay, you come over, you can hunt with us. We go out the first morning, first time I've ever big with bid out big woods hunting. Um, in a, in a state I'm not familiar with on public land that I'm not really familiar with. And it's like 37 degrees of pouring rain. I don't have any good gear. Okay. I don't have any good clothes. I've got car hearts and every, you know, cotton, everything. So I'm just, I, it was the most miserable <laughs> time ever. So I, I, I hike back I, and I find the truck um, that we were parked in or where, where they parked the truck which was kind of a miracle in itself because I really, you know, I wandered out in the dark, sat down for five or six hours and then wandered back, find the truck. I sit down, I open the tailgate, I sit down and I didn't know that the keys were there. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and freeze and, and wait until somebody comes in. Next thing you know, the game warden pulls up. Hey, how's it going? You know, and he said, Oh, good. Uh, is that gun loaded? Yep. Sure is. Uh, can you unload that gun for me? Nope. It's not mine. I was borrowing, I was borrowing it from, from these guys. Right. And I had practiced with it, but I hadn't, I wasn't comfortable enough with it, like unloading and all. Like Next thing I know, he's like, I need your license. And this and that. So turns out you're not allowed to sit on the tailgate with a loaded gun in Pennsylvania. Um, I'm sure that's probably other States, but it was one of those things that as a, somebody who was a novice in hunting, I, di I didn't realize those rules. You can bet your ass every time I go now that the gun is unloaded way before <laughs> I get to the truck. Um, at their cabin, the ticket hung on the wall for years. Like they got all these beautiful deer on the wall. And then here's my pink carbon copy ticket of, you know, my fine for $129 or whatever. <laughs> um, so that's kind of how I got started. Right. And, and it, that was the evolution um, to get to it was always deer focused heavily. Paul's got me more into turkeys lately. Uh, over the last few years, COVID was huge. I'm not going to lie. Like I got really sick of listening to all of the bullshit on, on the COVID. So I was like, we're going to turn off, you know, little Mike DeWine show. He's our governor every day. He had his little news conference. We're going to turn that off. And then we're going to go over here and we're going to listen to heavy in the meat eater and sportsman's nation and all that kind of stuff. And just started you know, this is what I'm going to focus on. And it's just blossomed, man. And it's like, that's where every, all my free time and money is spent now at this point, besides kids and family. But Dang, man. I, I can see, like, I've, I've hunted with plenty of guys who had never had any experience with it. And for me hunting with them early on, it, I didn't explain really basic things to them that, I should have because like they had never really handled firearms. They had never shot a bow or they didn't know what type of camo to use. Like I've actually had friends that have come out and I'm like, Hey, do you want to come duck hunting with me? And they're like, sure. And they show up and they're in like high top sneakers 
like a red t-shirt, you know, if we're going teal hunting and I'm like, Oh, do you have camo? And they're like, no, I don't like, I've never been hunting. And I'm like, okay, well, we definitely need to get camo hunting ducks, especially in a red t-shirt probably is not going to work. And it, it's just funny because like having grown up around it, it's things that I don't think about anymore. And that's where it's fun to, it's fun to get people who are new to hunting to help recruit new hunters because they can, they can help explain the basics a lot better than, than I would, or they won't overthink basic things like I do. Um, but man, like, the, when we were, ahead. when you were on our show, like we were talking about going West and like, uh, you know, some of the basic stuff there that to some people, the point system and all that kind of stuff is, is like second nature at this point. I, I'm in that 2007 Pennsylvania mode for when it comes to going out West, because yeah. I don't want to get the tickets and I'm like, you know, with the gun on, on a tailgate or get out there, and, you know, not have the right thing or not have, you know, I don't know. That's, that's where I'm kind of at when it comes to going to the West. Of, uh, that that's the tough part too, is like you go different places and rules change and every year you need to keep up with rules wherever you hunt. Uh, one of the things that that I have to look into now, because I've got the Vortex range finding binoculars, well, they have like the light up um, range on the inside of them when you look through. And apparently in Colorado, you're not supposed to have any type of like electric magnification items. And so I'm like, hold on, does that mean no range finders at all? And, uh, my buddy told me, no, you can have a range finder because it's got black, but with that vortex one, it glows bright red in there. And I'm like, surely that's not a rule, but also I better look into it. Cause I don't want to go out there and get busted. And then on top of that, my new rifle scope, it has like 10 different light settings on it. So I can turn the crosshairs red. Um, they, they go red, then black, then red, then black. And it just dims each time you flip it. Um, but I'm like, can I not have that either? Because I'm going to have to change my rifle setup before I go this year if I can't. And yeah, it's just tricky everywhere you travel to, you got to keep up with that stuff. And I don't want to have to read the whole pamphlet every time I go hunting. That sucks. And that's where part of me is like, dude, if I'm, if I'm an invite on an out of state hunt, like I have to rely on those guys to fill me in on the stuff that I really do need to know. Yeah. We were talking to Zach Farrenbaum from the hunting public the other day. And that was one of the questions I had for him. I'm like, dude, how do you keep up on all this? And he's like, every time we go from state to state, we sit there, whether it's at the airport or in the car or whatever, and just immerse themselves in the book, trying to make sure that they have got all the, the laws and everything under control. But those uh, Vortex binocular rangefinder, you like those? I love them. Which one are they? The Fury? Is that what they're called? Yeah, these are the Fury 5000s. Um, but <laughs> to be honest, I just I just got them not that long ago and I absolutely love them, but now Vortex came out with some ballistic compensating binoculars. So they're the exact same rangefinders, but they've got a ballistic feature built in to where you can set up your rifle and load data in the binoculars so that when you range something it tells you the adjustments that you need to make for elevation. So if you're like an MOA or a mil dot, 
guy, I mean, you, you can punch that information in and it tells you like, Hey, at that range, you have to come up 3.7 MOA or whatever. And then you can just make the quick adjustment without having to have like a secondary app or, you know, have a, have a dope chart or anything like that. Yeah. I need those. I think I need those. Dude. I, I mean, just Don't tell the, my wife. I know my wife is always like, don't you already have this or that? And I'm like, listen, I, you can't have too many releases for your bow, too many scopes. You can't have too many guns. That's for sure. That's <laughs> you bought another black handgun. What's different than that black handgun with the other three that you have? Like, just don't worry about it. Trust me. Yeah. Just trust me. I got this. Why do you have more shoes? Don't you, can't you wear both? Can't you wear that one pair of shoes anywhere you go? Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't get that argument. I'm like, just trust me on this. There's n- no such thing as too many guns. Like I, if I had, a, if I had 150 guns and I saw a really sweet gun that I didn't have, I would still want it. I'm not going to be like, ah, I've got 150. If some dude's like, man, I've got an old 220 Swift. It's a perfect varmint rifle. Sweet. Let me see it. How much are you selling it for? You know, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll go for a deal any day of the week. What uh, what do you primarily hunt deer with right now? Are you rifle? Are you archery hunting? Well, so that's my thing is 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 uh, is bows. In Ohio, we're not we're not a rifle state. Um, a few years ago, they added the straight walled cartridges. So whatever that's uh, with a forty five seventy. I haven't bought one. Um, four four four. I whatever they. That was uh, their attempt to get you a little bit further distance. We were allowed to do muzzleloaders, but it's a shotgun state basically because yeah. uh, it's pretty pretty flat. So over in Pennsylvania, we'll get into the rifles. Uh, that's that's fun to, to bring uh, those out. But for me, it's mostly archery. I'm trying to think. Last year, I went back to an upright bow. I had been, well, let's just back this all the way up. Early on, it had been, I bought a, a, a bear lights out from Cabela's like, I don't know. It's like 550 bucks. And it was one of these things I was, I was going to get it. I didn't want to sink too much money into it in case I didn't like it. Well, I have an addictive personality, so I don't know why I ever thought I wouldn't like it, but um, I loved it. And, but I used that bow and this was back in the mid two thousands. This was way before, you know, ranch ferry or any of the, the heavy arrow stuff was really popular coming up. And I remember the first deer I shot with that bow. I was, I lived on a 200 acre farm and uh, I was renting an apartment on this farm. It was really sweet deal, but I got this doe. I shot her. It was, I think it might've been opening morning that, that year. I called the neighbor up. He was a big hunter. He's like, oh yeah, I'll come over help you track and all this stuff. We couldn't find her. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wait a second. And this is the, this is the novice side of things, right? This is not understanding. I said, well, I shot the deer. Like, what do you mean we can't find her? What do you mean she didn't die? Like this happens. I, I, yeah. I really didn't, I didn't understand that that was part of the, the, the deal. Okay. So, um, I think that happened again. All right. So in my mind, the whole thing is, is that I I'm, I'm hitting bad shots. Now all these, these two deer that I hit were 20 yards or under, uh, I practiced religiously. I, I would, I could hit a balloon from 50 yards, you know, on, I was, 
I was pretty good shot trying to be humble, but I couldn't understand what was going on. So I did that for a few more years and, um, I, I killed deer, right. And I had some pastors and I, you know, I can't remember what the arrow setup was, but it, you know, I had mechanicals and different things, but it got to the point where I was not comfortable enough. I had two kids come along the way, so I didn't have the time to practice. And I thought to myself, I said, we're not going to do this unethical thing. Like I, I switched to a crossbow, uh, that had wonderful success with that. I, I didn't lose a deer off of that. I realized it can happen, but I didn't. And I thought this was great. Then I heard about the, these heavier arrows, right? And last year I'm like, oh man, well, that kind of makes sense to me. And I know there's people out there that hate it. Maybe you hate it, Dan. I don't know. But uh, I'm like, I'm going to go back to an upright bow. Like I'm going to be a man. I'm going to get, I got the strength. I can still do this. Let's do an upright bow. I ended up with like a, actually it was like 693 grain arrow. So it was pretty heavy, but holy smokes, man. I've never seen an arrow zip through a deer that fast and, and just so clean. It, it was amazing to me. So we can have that debate. Uh, but for me, it was like total confidence. And I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer if you're confident in your setup, that that's all that really matters and, and that you're going to be a lot more successful. So that's where I spend my time mostly back to your original question is archery. And ever since I got onto the, the heavier arrow setup, I think I'm going to back it down a little bit this year. Um, but that's, uh, I like that the most. And part of the, part of the thing is that it's warmer, uh, during that season. When you catch the archery there in the, in the beginning, we usually start the last week in a September, but you get October, it's not as, as cold. Yeah. I could be a little sissy and, and I tend to freeze out there. So until I got into some of the better clothing that has been, good for me uh, when it comes to getting cold, but that's my primary focus is archery. If I could shoot everything with a, with a bow and arrow, that's what I would do. Yeah. No, I think archery, it, it's cool that like you kind of started out with, with that archery equipment and, you know, bouncing back and forth from crossbow to upright. I've never done crossbow. I shot one of my buddies. He, I shot one of my buddies crossbows. I should say, I didn't shoot my buddy. Um, he brought it over and he's like, yeah, my dad got me this thing. And I'm telling you, I couldn't hit, I couldn't even hit the deer target at 30 yards with it. But I think it was like a really, really cheap bow. Um, like something that he probably picked up and that guy got it from like big lots or some discount store, you know, just a random thing. And so, uh, I was like, dude, you got to try upright bows. Well, then I watched a YouTube video or maybe something on social media popped up about the benjamin bulldog i think that's what it's called or no it's uh the pioneer airbow have you seen that thing i have not this is a rifle with a floated barrel all the way down the the arrow that goes on the barrel is hollow there's no knock on the back of it and so you slide this arrow all the way down the barrel and it, you can pressurize it with like a CO2 tank. You can get one that you like pump, like a BB gun. Um, you can fill it with like a scuba tank and then have, it's got like a little lever. It releases the exact amount of air into it each time. Anyways, it's basically a rifle that shoots an arrow and it's all air powered. And I'm like, dude, surely that's not legal. 
but I watched a guy pop a balloon at 200 yards on his second shot with this thing. And they show slow-mo videos of it. There's so many videos out now, but the, the whole idea behind it is with an arrow, all the pressure is hitting the knock, right? It's transferring from the string to the knock of the arrow. And that's why when you watch a slow-mo video of an arrow flying through there, it's got like a wobble to it. With this, all of the pressure hits right behind the broadhead because that's where the arrow is coming in contact with the air coming out of the barrel. And so it flies like perfectly straight to the point where this dude did like three Robin Hoods on an arrow at 40 yards. And I'm like, no way, this is crazy. I mean, it's got a scope on it. It's got different lines for different ranges on the scope. And I was like, I could get behind that. I don't know that I'd do a crossbow. Um, I just haven't had a ton of experience with them or been around them a whole lot. But that airbow, I'm like, that's a pretty cool deal. The modern crossbows are crazy. And I think the one I, it's a, I have a 10 point, um, it's a few years old. I don't know. It's a 2018, 2017, something like that. But man, some of those new ones are like 500 and some feet per second. That's insane. Now, the one thing I probably won't hunt with a crossbow again until I can't pull bow back, but I've got it there in case I need it or for my kids. So if I'm going to get them into this game, like that's, I think a good place to start with for them. So. Yeah, that's a great spot uh, for archery. And I say I haven't had a ton of experience with crossbows. I did have uh, Excalibur crossbows. They came out to my property and did like a, a advertising or a promo shoot for their newest crossbow. And this was a while back now. It's since been released, but it's a double barrel crossbow. It's I've got seen those. two different sets of limbs. And it was freaking awesome to watch them shoot. They're like, hey, can you get out there early, set up a couple stands that we can like film in and shoot from? And so sh- like, I put out a target, and they were taking videos of how quick it shot. And it was like, oh, boom. I mean, you could pull the triggers that fast, and like the arrows are an inch apart. And I'm like, holy cow. Like, Do you just shoot both arrows at a deer? Or is that for like shooting, and then if you hit it, and it runs off and gives you a second shot, you take the second shot. And they're like, I mean, really, it's for whatever you want to do. We don't necessarily recommend sending both arrows. Like, you should be confident enough in one. But say you shoot a deer, say you shoot a doe, and then a buck walks out. Well, how are you going to reload your crossbow in the stand? It's already cocked and ready to go now. So you just let the other arrow fly. And I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Or if you hit a twig on that first one, and you're like, oh, there's a twig there, you know? Yeah. Just adjust, just adjust a little bit, and you'll be good. Um, I, last year, I had one um, come underneath me, and it it was right at the end of, of the night. But I shot that deer, and the knock broke, and it man, I to me it, that was the loudest, wah, 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 like weirdest sound I've ever heard, and like you know, it was a luminock, and then I shot it. No idea where the arrow went. Okay. Cause it didn't light up. I have no idea what's going on with my bow, but I look, and I see this deer still standing there. I'm like, okay, <laughs> other one on boom. Got her. She, you know, that one worked. Everything worked right. She ran off or whatever. I looked down that first arrow must've just gone right underneath her, her belly. And she didn't have no idea. So I don't know if I got the Helen Keller deer of the neighborhood or what, but like <laughs> it was, uh, 
yeah, it worked out that time. But so I could have used that that double barrel thing there. Yeah, I guess I've been in a couple of positions also where it would have come in handy. My first, I think it was my first buck that I shot with my bow. Um, he popped out and I ranged him at like 39 and a half yards. And I was the same, like practicing all the time, felt great about my groupings. So I range him, get my bow up, draw back, let the arrow fly. I did not have lighted knocks on at all at that point. And the soybeans were in like that color change phase. And so it was like yellow and green and like just different colors. So as soon as that arrow left, I couldn't tell where it went after it left my string. I mean, it was just invisible at that point. And I watched the deer kind of like flinch. And then it started licking its back. And I'm like, dude, this thing's about to tip over. Because like when I shot, I heard it hit something, but I didn't know what. And I'm watching it. And I don't see any blood coming out. And I'm like, I put it, like I held steady. I felt great about the shot. Don't know what happened. And then it started eating again. The deer just went back to eating. And I'm like, yeah, I must not have hit it because it would not just go back to eating after it just got shot. So I reach around the tree, grab another arrow, range it again, and draw back, let an arrow fly. And this time... Again, I lost it in flight, but I heard like the clear, like the chest cavity smoked it. The deer takes off, jumps over the fence. I hear it crash. And uh, I actually kept the cape from that deer. And what had happened, it ducked my first arrow. And I didn't think it flinched that much, but it ducked my arrow. And so on the cape, there's about a two-inch strip right on the top of the spine, right behind where the shoulders would be where it's just like all the hair is kind of cut clean and it didn't break through the skin, but it just cut the hair all the way down to the skin. Um, so that one, and then gosh, man, all these years blend together now. I don't know if it was last year it may be two years ago. Now I shot two does within like a couple minutes of each other and they came in, they came in together. One of them walked five yards from me. Uh, like cross the path five yards from my tree stand. I shot it. The other one hung out like 40 yards behind it and it kind of bounded off for a second and then got curious. Like, wait, where'd you go? Walks in, walks five yards to my right on the path, draw back and shot that one at five yards too. So I'm like, yeah, I guess both those times I could have used a double barrel crossbow and not had to make as much movement. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com. And be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20%
off your order. Technology these days, though, there's there's no telling what we're going to be hunting with here in the next five years, uh, 10 years even. Yeah, and it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, you think of the times you could use it, then you get one, and then you never get that opportunity again, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, whatever. Better safe than sorry. I think the, the entire hunting industry is based around, like, you have to have this product in order to be a successful hunter. And then once you get it, you realize that you're just a crappy hunter, and it didn't help you at all. Um, I'm a gear junkie, man. I, I just, if it's, if it looks cool, I'm like, yeah, I want to try it out. And then I've got a whole storage room full of crap that I don't ever use anymore. I'm with you 100%. So I'm a sucker for every time I get one of these emails that pops up. It's like, oh, you need this. Yep. Sure do. Probably need <laughs> three different colors of it too. But although you come across things from time to time that you're like, what wow, that really was a good investment that was a legit like this is well thought out product and i'll just throw it out there for the first light that origin hoodie they came out with man that i love that sweatshirt and it's one of those things like oh it's got this built-in face mask and kind of like we were just saying oh when am i ever going to really need that like yeah it could be used in turkey season but i got other things for that whatever i went on a fishing trip and i it was in april early May, something, it was cold up on Lake Erie. I think it was like 40 some degrees when we went out, but I had that, that sweatshirt and man, that face mask thing, if I didn't have that, I would have died. So that, that was like one of those things. I was very thankful that I had that, uh, to help keep me warm fishing when that wasn't my primary use for it. So there are, there are occasions where you catch one of those pieces of gear. That's just like super clutch. Well, and you find certain companies like that that just constantly make really good gear. And I feel like First Light is one of those companies. I mean, I switched over to a First Light setup this last year. I'm trying to think when I, I think it was around Christmas. My wife and I don't get each other Christmas gifts. We just buy our own. And so I went on and got myself a much better gift than she got herself. Um, and yeah, I just, I went all out, but I did not get that hoodie. I'm going to have to check that out. That's, that's a good one. Do you ever like say to your wife, Hey, I'm putting in this first light order. Do you want anything from first light? And she looks at you like Are you freaking crazy. No, I don't want it. Like, that's what I always do all the time. I'm like, well, I'll get you something. And then, you know, we can call it even. She's not See, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not very chivalrous in the fact that I buy myself really nice hunting stuff. And then I don't buy my wife very nice hunting stuff. Cause she's barely in it. I mean, like, She'll go, but the amount of days she spends pursuing an animal is probably like three or four a year. And so I'm like, listen, I'm not buying you a whole first light setup for that. I just won't. If if you really show interest and you're like, hey, I want to go. My goal is to be out there like eight weekends this year with my bow. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll I'll get you better gear. You can go sit or if she's like, hey, I want to start going out in the mornings. Yeah. I'll help you out, but for the couple days a year that she hesitantly goes, yeah, she can wear Walmart camo. Mine doesn't. Mine doesn't even hunt, right? She doesn't. She doesn't hold me back a whole lot. But I don't know. I'm like, hey, do you want a solid gear? You know, and get you one of these nice hoodies or sweatshirt, something. And no, she doesn't want anything to do with it. So, which is fine. It just whatever. See, I with 
with my wife it's funny because when people want to do a partnership or send me free stuff they always send her stuff too and i'm like really you could have sent me two t-shirts or hats or whatever because your instead, tiktok you game is strong sp- man that tiktok yeah. game that's yeah. where it's at she she knows what she's doing and even when i'm not even active she's posting videos on my account so i guess she's earned it <laughs> What uh? What other gear do you swear by, man? Do you have anything that you're like, dude? If you're not using this, you need to try it. It's awesome. Sure, there's a bunch. Okay, I'm gonna go back to the arrow thing. Okay, um, the quality arrows. So last year I shot Grizzly Stick. Um, I I like I got a batch of Serious arrows. I know they're expensive, like, but they're legit and and they worked really well okay the single bevel broadheads they're expensive again good steel though um i stick behind that i became a huge fan of vortex stuff a few years ago i'm kind of brand loyal so oh for a lot of time a lot of times like you were saying earlier if you get one of these brands that they make something that's real good like that makes i appreciate that right and i want to try the other stuff that you have and I'm probably going to stick with it until I don't, you know, either I have a, a bad issue with, with something or, you know, something very innovative comes out on another line, but um, the vortex stuff, man, that's, and then they get their, their little guarantee or whatever. I have never used it, but huge on the binoc- binoculars. Um, I need to get a range finder, uh, one of theirs, but then, I've, I've put a scope or two of theirs on, on a couple guns and it's been great. So, um, man, what else? If I had to say one thing, it's I'm going to go back to the clothes. Okay. Because for me, being comfortable out there is huge. And back to that 37 degree day in the pouring rain in 2007, if I had had the clothes I have now, it would have made that a lot more enjoyable. It would have been great. No. But it would have been a lot. I could have. I could have made it the whole day. All right, and I think that the even though it is expensive stuff, if you do it right, you phase it in. You get a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit, you know, and build onto your your um, your clothing arsenal there. That can make a huge difference when you're out in the woods, man. I mean, <laughs> in Pennsylvania, when we go over there for rifle season. It's cold, and there's days you wake up and there's a foot of snow that wasn't there the night before, and just having having the right gear and ready uh, clothes to go out into that stuff makes a huge difference. Yeah, I I totally agree with the clothing side of things. I mean, I was always the mismatched camo guy. Like I'd find stuff at thrift stores. I'd I'd get the uh, Walmart clearance sale after hunting season and just go buy a bunch of stuff. But I found myself layer after layer after layer. I mean. I might have five different top layers on when I went out to hunt and you that just feel got like, old, man. You feel like the little brother on Christmas story. Where yeah, it's like exactly. walking down. <laughs> yeah. You can't bend your arms. I mean, you've got like four inches of clothing on and I just finally said, screw it. And I know there's a lot of really good clothing companies that are coming out, but a lot of the people that I trust uh, as hunters, both friends and and like hunting celebrities or you know media people i guess they swear by first light and i know a lot of them do sitka also but i just decided to go with first light and i've been super happy like going wool 
is one of the biggest things you can do. Get as much of your clothing in wool as possible because, dude, the wicking, uh, the wicking ability of it, the ability to keep you warm even when it's wet and insulate even when it's wet, that's a big deal. And, those, dude, I got those men's, I think they're called the wick boxers. They're the wool boxers. Oh, my gosh. Talk about a game changer. Um, yep. But on the clothing side, and you just mentioned Vortex, have you gotten any Vortex's clothes? Have you have you got any I, I hoodies have, or anything from them? I haven't, and I keep getting I keep getting the email. It's like they're a sale on their socks, and I'm like, all right, do I want to try the socks out from the guys who make my binoculars and rifle scopes? I don't know, but maybe. I I haven't tried their socks yet, but I did. I ordered a couple of their hoodies. Um, like there's a shed hunter or a shed jacket or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it's called, dude. It's my favorite hoodie that I've ever owned. It's really heavy duty. And I'm not saying it's for hunting, but I wore it out one day and it's, it feels like a really heavy duty, like knit sweater almost, but it's real tight knitting, but it rained on me. And I just watched the water completely beat off of it. It's got like an oversized hood, which I love on hoodies. Not if I'm, you know, trying to stay super tightly bundled, but just to wear out. I don't know why. That's one of my favorites. And then their t-shirts even. I don't find a lot of t-shirts that fit me well. Um, but these ones are like the ones you always see on social media where it hides your dad bod. And my wife was like, dang, babe, that Vortex t-shirt <laughs> looks great on you. And I was like, hey, thanks. I actually feel pretty good in it. Uh, but anyways... One, I mean, I just feel like that's kind of hidden of a hidden gem with Vortex. They actually make really good clothes. I'll have to check that out. I haven't haven't looked at those lately. So, but uh, what are you what are you using right now for um, like binoculars? Are you using like ten by forties, ten by forty twos, or are you eights? Ten by forty two. They're the what, Viper HD. I think is what the um, model is. And I bought those. I mean, in Ohio, like I said, we don't really, we don't have rifle. We don't have super long distance. Like I just need something to be able to check out that. That was something I totally overlooked for the longest time. You know, it was the binocular thing. Um, obviously out West, that's a huge deal. And, you know, getting into the spotting scopes and, and you just have to be able to see really far. But for me, I never even thought about it because I'm like, well, all the shots I'm taking are like 30 yards or under and, and with the bow at least. And if I need to look anything with a rifle scope, I'll just pull the scope up. But the last couple of years having those out there, totally different. I mean, you, yeah, especially with the archery because you can you know pick things out. And so, yeah, I got the 10 by 42. If I ever go west, I'll probably upgrade. But at that point, at this point, that's what works pretty well. So. Yeah, I mean those uh, the Furies that I have, they're still ten power, but they work they work really well. And one thing I will say, get a get some type of binocular or optic to phone adapter, whether it's phone scope or one of the other brands, because the amount that you can see on your phone with a phone scope and just ten power binoculars is amazing. Uh, I I was listening to Meat Eater years ago and they kept talking about tripods and i was like that's something that i've never used for hunting is like an optic tripod and they said the amount of game that you will pick up just by not being shaky with your binoculars 
it's insane. You'll see a bird at 700 yards like fly by where you would have never seen that before if you're just freehanding it. And so I, I got a, I think it's like the high country um, vortex tripod. And then I bought a really cheap, like $7 Chinese made phone to binocular adapter. And it's, it worked, but it just took a long time to set up. And I've recently switched to the phone scope system and holy cow, it is amazing. Even shooting the other day, we, we sighted in some rifles for a couple of buddies of mine. I set my, I set my spotting scope up on a tripod, put my phone on there. And not only did I have 60 power magnification on the spotting scope, but then I could also just like do the two finger spread on the, on the, um, phone screen and it magnified it like 10 times on top of that. And so at 150, 200 yards, you can see the bullet hole plain as day uh, when you do that with a with a phone attached to it. So I, I kind of swear by that now. I'm, like I said, I'm a gear junkie. My biggest thing is trying to limit how much I bring so I'm not carrying a ton in every time and I end up being way overweight every time. Yeah, that's something I've struggled with. Like. The properties I hunt, uh, the private ones are very small. I, dude, I don't need to take anything. I need to take my bow, and that's it. Like, uh, I, I really don't need <laughs> much more than that when I go to these. But, but because I've got it, I feel like I need to put it in my pack, and I need to carry it, like, whatever. So that phone scope thing, though, I'm going to probably, as soon as we hang up, go order one, because that's something I've been considering uh, getting here lately. So. Well, and it's really sweet too. Even if I don't know if you're the type that like will drive around or like sit in your truck and do some long distance scouting um, in the spring or summer, if you find a good food like uh, a bean field or an alfalfa field where the deer like to go, um, the window mounts that they make for the spotting scopes or binoculars, those are so handy to just put on top of your window. You can be in your truck and then you can just be looking at your phone screen instead of holding binoculars up to your eye the whole time. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot of good optic recommendations and I don't know why I've nerded out so much about optics. I never hunted with binoculars growing up ever. I mean, I don't, I can't remember a single time aside from maybe Christmas when my parents got me like the Tasco or whatever Walmart binoculars. I probably brought those out one time, but it once I went out west hunting, now I carry my binoculars everywhere. Dude, I bring my binoculars with when I rabbit and squirrel hunt. They never, they're in my truck all the time. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I have a cheap pair of what are they? Bushnell or something. They ride in my work truck. My other ones ride in my other truck. And I always have a pair now with me because I have to, you know, you never know what you're going to see in the field when you're driving down the road. Right? Oh, for real. And then on top of that, like you can film with that phone scope deal. You can record. So if you do have deer that come out at 300 yards and you just want to get better video of them, instead of having a whole camera set up, you can just have them hooked up to your, to your binos. Sold. Sign me up. So <laughs> do you, do you, uh, uh, record any of your hunts? Listen, man, this goes back to being a gear junkie and then I don't end up using it. I buy all of the camera equipment. Like I bought this 4K camera. I got the, I got the, I don't even know what 
camera arm it is. It was one of like the best ones I could find. The sweet camera arm. I can level it out in the tree. Uh, I I got two Tacticams and then the, even the fisheye Tacticam. I bought all this stuff and hardly got any footage with it. And what it all ends up coming down to is when I'm out there hunting, the last thing I think about is hitting record or like changing stuff up. So just recently I have switched. I've got, I, I'm getting rid of my Tacticams. It's not that they're terrible, but I love the features on the GoPro. And so I've got a GoPro 10 that I use for like my web um, or my video chats and stuff anyways. And I think I'm going to get a second one. And I bought the watch that it's basically a remote that you just wear. It's not an actual watch, but you wear it like a watch. You hit, <clears throat> excuse me, you hit record and it will record on up to 10 different GoPros at once. So you can remotely turn all of them on and start recording. So if I'm in the tree stand and I've got one over my shoulder and I've got one hooked to my bow or on my head or even down at the base of the tree near a decoy, I can just hit record. Now I've got video for everything. I don't have to worry about fumbling with any of it. Yeah, I've, I've not gotten down into that rabbit hole yet. Um, I, don't do it, dude. It's dangerous, I man. I, the problem is I'm with you. Like the last thing I'm thinking about, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how far the deer is, all that kind of stuff. The one thing I did buy a tactic game last year because I wanted, I shot a deer last early last year and I couldn't tell if I hit her or not because the arrow went right through. She ran 15 yards and just stood there. And I'm like, do I put another shot in there? Do I not? Like, and at that point it would have been great to be able to pull that up on my camera on my phone and say, did that arrow go through? So I bought one of those tact cam, which it had gone through that deer and she was just in like shock. And, and I don't know what felt like an hour later, but it was probably like five minutes. She just fell over. But the, uh, I bought one of those tactic cams, um, that goes I'm trying to think they've got the, you can screw it into your stabilizer bar yep. or whatever. Um, so, and I can fix this problem and I'm not dogging tactic cam at all because I actually have not used it for an actual shot yet besides practicing in the yard. But when I hit the button, I had, I had the opportunity to shoot deer and I, I, I put the button to start the camera. I, Cause I like, I'm going to use this thing. It was low light situation. And it had like this pulsating green and blue yep. light. And next thing you know, that deer looks over at me and I'm just like, okay, like busted. Right. The whole thing yeah. was gone, was done because that stupid light was going off. I could throw a piece of tape over it. It's not going to be a big deal, but um, I had not planned for that. And that was, that was my first endeavor in trying to film any type of shot. So it didn't, it didn't work out very well. Dude, I had the exact same thing happen. It wasn't the light though. It was the vibration setting. Mm. It, I had mine in my, I got that same bow stabilizer mount that it slides in the end. So anything you're aiming at, it's, it's picking up and I hit record on it and it just kept going, dude. It kept bzz, bzz, bzz. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And there, it was just like a spike that was underneath my tree. But I was like, hey, I just want to record. And so I like right. grabbed my bow and I was getting ready in case another deer was coming behind it. And that thing immediately just looked up at me and I'm like, well, I'm not turning this on as not even one more time while I'm out here. 
part of it's my fault because I find out the bare minimum of what I need to do in order to like record something instead of actually looking, looking through all the different settings and finding out like, Hey, you can shut that light off. You can shut the vibration off. You mean there is a user's manual for this? Oh yeah, there absolutely is. And I, I just don't ever read it. I, I did start doing that with the GoPro though. And I'm telling you, I just swear by GoPro. It's going to be hard to uh, pull me away from those now. And I like the fact that on the Hero 10, and I think they've got it on some of the other models, but you you can, it's a touch screen on the back, so you can just watch it on the camera immediately without having to Bluetooth it to your phone or whatever. Um, but this year, I'm going to try my hardest to get a bunch of stuff on film. That'd be cool. Paul, the co-host for our show, he wants to do the, the videoing, right? And uh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. So he wants to record all these hunts and we're doing the saddle thing this year. And so I don't know if that means that he's going to be above me and trying to record. Now I should also mention I'm about 170 pounds and five foot seven and Paul's six plus feet tall and bigger than me, 270 ish, maybe, I don't know. He's lost some weight, but so now I have this like idea that there's just going to be this giant man above me in, in the saddle. And I, I'm not sure if I'm completely uh, on board with that yet, but we'll figure it out. Dude, I would love to have a second shoot or like somebody filming when I hunt. Doing the cell filming thing, I, I find that a lot of people who are into videography and photography and then get into hunting have no problem with it. But people who are diehard hunters have that difficult transition to be like, hey, my focus is now filming and secondary is getting the shot but i'm not i i will i'm telling you right now i will never ever sacrifice shooting a deer just because it's too low of light for a camera to pick up or something's wrong with the camera dude i'm not gonna let something walk just because i didn't get it on video forget that i'm with you 100 and I, more props to him right parker mcdonald you're the man but like I don't know how you, how he can do all that at once. Right. For me, I've got a million other things with my head. Not so much where the hell the arm is. And, and then when you crawl up into the tree, I'm trying to be quiet and not sweat and just get set and, and ready to go to think that you'd have to get your bag out, pull this arm out, wrap that around the tree and turn that. I mean, like, Holy smokes, man. Good, good on you people for doing that. But I don't think that's my, uh, my callings. No, the first thing I ever filmed hunting, I was in I was in a a nature blind, I think they're called. They look like a giant tree stump basically. And I was in Colorado turkey hunting and I was like, dude, I'm going to film this. Like I'm going to film me shooting a turkey and it was my first tom that I would have gotten. I had shot a Jake one time in Missouri and I'm set up. I mean, I'm like completely enclosed in this blind. Got my tripod with my 4K camera, like tons of zoom on it. And this turkey comes in, get a lot of video of it. It was awesome. And it just stayed right out of range. Well, I had a second turkey come sprinting in another Tom. And I was like, oh, dude, they're going to fight. They're going to beat the crap out of each other. The whole time I'm now focused on hunting, even though I could have totally got away with movement. I was completely concealed. They weren't ever going to pick me out. And I, I end up shooting this bird thought that the camera was zoomed out far enough to where the bird was still in frame. It was like four inches out of the frame of the shot. 
And I went back. I was like, dude, I, I like I killed a Tom. I got it on video. I'm so pumped. And I, I get back to the cabin where my cousin, his wife, and then my wife were all hanging out. And I'm like, guys, check this out. Check this out. And I go to play the video. And I see it walk out of frame. And then I hear, boom. And you catch like a couple feathers in the frame <laughs> flopping around. And I was so upset. I was like, screw this, man. Filming's for the birds. Literally. No pun intended there. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Uh, Dude. Do you, do you saddle hunt? I don't. That is, I actually just talked to Parker last night on the phone. And, or maybe it was, I don't know, dude. My days are getting mixed up. But I asked him what his system was. He sent me a text back today with all the information of what he uses. And it's something I've been interested in doing for a long time. And I tell myself every year I'm going to dive in full on with it, and I haven't yet. But after last year, whitetail hunting in Wisconsin uh, for rifle season, not wanting to, like, go and set up a tree stand the day before or, you know, the morning of, I said, screw this, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to officially do saddle hunting this year because it's so convenient. Like, once you get it down, you can get in any tree anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I've never done hang-ons. Um, eh, I shouldn't say that. I did one hang-on way back when, and it was, to me, I, I was doing something wrong. It wasn't easy, but I got into the saddle stuff last year, and man, that was. It's so comfortable. It's lightweight. Like I know there's some people that say they can't sit out there all day. I think if you have the right setup, I think you can. You got to have the uh, the back brace thing that like comes in, uh, because that gives so much support to your upper back. But yeah, I think that that was uh, that was a huge game changer. You talk about things you take out in the woods you wouldn't go out with. Um, that's one of them that, especially bow hunting, that I'm I'm all about. What what system do you have? Uh, I got the tethered. I think it's a phantom, and it's uh, the sticks are probably the thing that I screwed around with more than anything. I've got three or four different brands out there. Um, I bit the bullet and got some of the Timber Ninjas late last year. I haven't actually gotten a chance to use them yet, but those things are stupid light. Um, the saddle itself, though, it's just the uh, it's the Phantom. I use the Predator platform and just the little the, the regular size one, not the XL. And I'm trying to think what the other options in there. 11 millimeter rope, I think, and then the the rope and ascender is like the one thing that I would say. It's very handy versus the prussic knots. What what's the time like getting up in the tree for you? I mean, that's that's been one of the things that I'm like, man, do I really want to do that? Because I've got a lot of preset stuff. I mean, if I'm if I'm hunting the properties that I've got access to here, I've got tree stands. I hunt a similar area, maybe not the same tree every year, but I I've got a dozen stands that I can bounce in between depending on wind depending on where I'm seeing a lot of deer activity and it's just so easy, you know, like a minute, minute and a half, I'm up in the tree, got my bow in the hanger harnessed in, like got my pack hanging behind me. I'm ready to go. Obviously it's not like I'm taking an hour to get up if I had a saddle system, but it is quite a bit longer, right? Um, if you have preset stuff, I, I don't think it is. Uh, and again, I haven't done the hang on thing, but where I'm at, or the, the couple properties I've got that are small, uh, I'm talking like five acres small, and I, it's whatever, long story. But I've got these these trees I go in, 
I just shimmy up the, the sticks and I have usually keep platforms up there. So I'll, if I need to, I can bring a platform with me. But once I get up to the top of the sticks, I, I you know, rope in and, and hang my bag. And, and it's really not, it doesn't take that long. I'll tell you, the one thing that I learned the hard way, and not really the hard way, but we went public land hunting in the dark in the morning, taking everything with me, right? So I'm going to do this. I'm going to climb the tree and everything that morning. I'm sitting there as I'm like looking for a tree. This is, there was no scouting involved. It's amazing that I actually killed a deer that morning, but um, I wandered like 20 yards off of the path into the, I found, I just like, I'm going to take this tree. I look, I'm trying to figure out if the damn tree was alive, right? It's because it's dark and I've I got my light up in the tree, like looking for leaves. It was still early enough that I'm like, ah, eh, there's enough leaves. And I think this one's alive. So I'm going to shimmy up there. Um, but that would be uh, one of the things I think. And then probably the same with a hang on. Like to me, the best use would be go set your sticks and your platform midday hunt that evening if nothing comes through then you you know come back in the morning you know hunt it again and then adapt from there but um as far as time wise goes i don't think it i didn't think it's very take very long nice see i i feel like if i got into it i guess that makes sense like still have have some sticks or pegs in certain trees that you want to be in but I feel like my my number one application for it would be when I travel and hunt or I want to go to public land and just get up in a tree. You know, obviously I'm not going to bring a hang on stand for that, but to get up in any tree and then um, once I'm up there, obviously I'm comfortable, but you can also get down and move trees if you need to fairly quick. I'm never doing a climber again. I tried that once in... I was close enough to falling that 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 scared me off. Um, but yeah, I think this year I'm going to get the system. I definitely want to get it soon so that I can practice with it a lot before Absolutely. season because I would hate to get out there and just be uncomfortable the whole time. Um, so yeah, yeah I think it's so going to happen this year. On the uh, one of the things that I didn't really plan for uh, the one property I hunt, it was it's probably only like maybe 20 years that it's been let go right so in which we have a lot of ash trees in there which those are all dead from the ash borer. but i was in a maple tree and one by the time i got up there and where i was set i'm not joking maybe five inch diameter like not a big tree Dang. uh but i was able i i got deer out of it right so because that platform and everything hooks in you don't need a certain size tree and all that kind of stuff and to your climber uh dan i have a degree in horticulture okay so i kind of a tree person um i i want to kick my own ass for this this next story but like i had a climber a summit vipers nothing at summit this is this is an andrew problem but i started i climbed up a a sycamore right if you know anything about sycamores, they don't have any bark. There's like nothing there to bite into. And I got up to the top and I just rat, um, harnessed myself in and I went to turn to like get set. And the next thing you know, I'm just hanging from this tree. Oh no. I've got my feet are like holding onto the, the climber 
so that it doesn't like fall all the way down the tree. I hung there for like 10 minutes because I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? I have, it was one of these total like life flashes before your eyes. I think eventually I was able to like somehow bring the, the climber up uh, and like rehook it in. And I'll tell you, that was the scariest descent from that tree because I had to then after I've almost fallen out of this tree and hung on here for a while, I had to then unhook myself from that tree and slowly work my way down. And I, man, I, I needed to go home and clean my pants after that one. Cause that was, uh, that was very, I was not, that was not cool. And I did not use that climber again. And it was not against a climber. That was, I, I'm not responsible enough to use a climber. I guess is what I learned out of that. See, I just, I took a climber out blind. I had never used one before. I had seen people use them, never used one before. Asked my buddy, Tim, I knew he, he leaves his, like at the base of the tree on this property that we both hunt. And I was like, dude, I know it's still out there. Tried to call him. He didn't respond, but I was like, I know, I know he'd be cool with it. So I went out and just got it. What I didn't realize is he's been leaving it at the base of that same tree for years. And I take it to public land, me and my buddy, Tony, he's got a much nicer climber. We spent probably an hour just trying to find a tree that we could use it on. And it just seemed like everything was short and bushy and there was nothing that was tall and straight with no limbs. And so I was like, all right, this sucks already. I finally find a sketchy tree that's leaning really bad, but I'm like, dude, it's the only one that I can actually get up more than like eight feet on. So I start climbing and he's at the base of the tree watching me. And it was the same type of deal. I'm like elbows on the top part of the climber the bottom part has completely come loose but it's only like hooked around the toes of my boots and so i'm like lifting it back up trying to get set finally i get set and he's like are you good are you good and i'm like yeah i'm just gonna sit right here and like i'm not gonna move well i went to shift my weight one time like just you know your butt falls asleep or something i went to do that the bottom starts to give way again and i was like screw this man I'm done with it. And yeah. uh, that was the one and only time I've hunted in a climber. They can be really comfortable. Like I have, I have hunted from, from that one, but like, it can be really comfortable. You just have to have everything right. You know, yeah. and there was another time I was, I, I hauled it out in the middle of the night and I hooked into this tree. And of course it's like, ding, 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 ding. There's a, there's a reason I hadn't seen a deer that morning, but the, uh, I, I start shimmying up and, I can feel my bow pulling like on the string and I'm like, Oh, must be the top. So I like get everything set. Then the sun comes up and I realize I'm like, Oh, I'm like 12 feet up in this tree uh, (laughs) because my rope had gotten stuck on something. So it wasn't really at the end of its length. It was just that I, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I think they might have, they have their purpose and I'm not dogging them They're They can be comfortable, but um, not my first choice. No. Yeah, I'm I'm staying away from those, but I I am going to get a tethered system this year. I'm going to try it out and I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm I'm kind of curious to see if I could use it for some duck hunting applications too because there's been a couple spots that I've duck hunted and you know, I might be in waist deep water kind of on like I don't want to just stand the whole time, but I don't have a swamp seat to like stake in the ground or it's too boggy on the bottom to where it'll sink too far anyways. 
But I'm like, dude, I wonder if with the saddle system, if I could do a saddle around my waders and then just hook it, hook into a tree that way, even if I don't get off the ground, it's just a seat for out in the water. There you go. One time we, Paul and I went and we did, uh, Ohio has this program they implemented last year uh, where landowners can basically open their land up to uh, hunters and we, we drove down like, I don't know, an hour and a half away because that's where all the good land is. And uh, we got 10 minutes from where we had to be. And I realized I forgot my sticks uh, to climb the tree that I was planting. So I just took my platform and I sat on it like a stool nice. <laughs> against some trees. So they're multi-purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah. If, if you have it and it only serves one purpose, you probably shouldn't have it. It's like the survival yeah. minimalist mentality. Well, dude, yeah. I, I feel like we could probably talk for five hours just BSing about gear, hunting stories, but I want I want to let you get back to your night, and I'm pumped, man. This season is going to be fun. Do you have any big hunts coming up? Actually, so Paul, I, I texted Paul earlier to say, hey, what do you think about going to Missouri this fall? And he's like, I'm in 100%. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm thinking about it. Uh run out there maybe for four or five days and uh, see what you guys have to offer. But for me, it's going to be a lot of public land, Ohio. I don't end up in Pennsylvania uh, more than likely for the rifle season, like, like normal. Uh, I need to take a little bit better advantage of uh, the first couple of weeks in November here in Ohio. So uh, for work purposes, I pray that it rains those first two weeks of, of uh, November, but that'll keep me, uh, give me a little bit more time to, be on the woods yeah dude definitely come down to missouri that would be awesome you guys are welcome to come hang out and hunt with me um i picked up that 10 acres i've got a bunch of access right now so we'll get you out on some deer and uh hopefully hopefully get you a big one but we're in before i let you go where can people find you guys where can they listen along or uh follow along so we're on the sportsman's empire i gotta get used to that uh I've, so anything on that website our website is the o2 so o letter two is the number podcast.com instagram is the.o2.podcast paul runs our twitter i think it's at ohio hunt we don't do facebook we're not into the tiktok yet but those are good places and of course the best one is the go wild uh, o2 podcast on there so Nice, man. Well, thanks for hopping on. Uh, for real, let me, send me some dates. Come down and hunt with me. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I had a great time chatting with Andrew, and I feel like this is going to be one of those guys that I call up anytime something cool happens out in the woods. I'll be swinging up there to see him if I'm ever in the Ohio area. In fact, what a great time to bring this up. He's going to be at the Send It Slam. I know I've mentioned it on other podcasts, but the Send It Slam is an awesome event that's happening in conjunction with both Black Rifle Coffee Company and Go Wild. It's going to be in Louisville, Kentucky, and I hope to see you guys there. There's going to be a lot of cool updates coming up about it, and I'm going to be doing that giveaway right before it actually happens. So probably, I'm trying to think, I'll probably do the giveaway sometime in July. That'll give someone enough time to plan for it. If they if they win the tickets, they can get up there and see what it's all about. 
I'm excited to go up there and meet a lot of people that I've connected with through podcasting, but maybe I haven't actually met them in person. So I'll be there. Hope to see you guys there. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.